All right. We're in it. Let's do it. I checked this time before starting. This is episode nine of Introducing. And today I have Rohit Cabra. Did I say that right? That's right. What's up, man? Thank you for joining me. And you are coming in from New York. From Brooklyn. Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New New York. York. Okay. Thank you for for joining me. So for those of you who don't know, Rohit is... um, Part of the family. So I am married to Divya, whose first cousin is Juhi, and Juhi is married to Rohit. And um, I've actually. But I've, yeah. but I've known Divya that's almost right. as long as Juhi's known Divya. And so that's an important thing to point out. That and, is, and we will certainly get into that. And Juhi's and Divya's best friends with my sister, who we all grew up in the same area, which I assume is going to be a part of some of this line of questioning because it's all is that, I, I, we can, I mean, I, I, we can start now. I mean, so is that yeah. ever weird? Has that ever been weird before? No, no. We, um, so until about we were 12, we grew up in a small town in upstate New York near Albany and, uh, Juhi, uh, Divya's family grew up in central New Jersey with about a three hour drive. And pretty much every month we would either, we, we most likely would go down to make the trip to New Jersey and see them along with about five or six other families. And that was a lot of my childhood. Like the reason we were all so close was all the parents were introduced to each other when they first immigrated to the U.S. They were around the same age and the elders in the community thought it would be good for them to know each other. So they had friends um, because they were all part of the same type of Indian. We're all Marwaris. And uh, yeah, so we all grew up together. And no, it was never weird. It was always great because I had Abhinav, who's my age, and then Rashi, my sister, had Divya, and then all the little kids, Ankur and everyone, Divya's brother and a bunch of others, were all of our little brothers. And it was all this, this tight-knit gang that, um, you know, continues today, right? I mean, the majority of us, unfortunately, actually, almost everyone except uh, you and Divya, for some reason, <laughs> have all congregated in New York yeah. over the past two years. Uh, something really interesting that happened through the pandemic is that people came together here, which was actually pretty awesome. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a really unique and awesome thing. And uh, it obviously is how I met Juhi, and that turned out pretty well. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I, <laughs> we don't talk about this often with, with Divya, but it comes up, I think, with some of our other friends when they talk about like family or family friends. And it is actually ridiculous, the the group that you guys grew up with. I don't know if that's like a similar story for a lot of people in New York, New Jersey, but it is super unique. The childhood you guys had with all of those Indian people in the same area who all got along, like same age, <laughs> stayed in that same area, very like similar interests. Like it's, it's really cool. Honestly, it's, it's very, it's a very interesting thing that, I mean, I didn't have and everybody around me obviously didn't have either, but um, when do you feel like you started to like appreciate that fact? Like I'm sure it was fun growing up, but when were you like, wow, this is, this is really cool. Uh, first off, thank you. I think I, 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 it's not lost on us how unique this is. Um, and you know, it wasn't just cause we were close. I mean, you have to give it up to the parents, right? Yeah. Like three hour drive every month. <laughs> um, no one lived next in the same town. Everyone was like 15 to 45 minutes away from each other, just in New Jersey, if not one to two hours, but would make the trip to see each other all the time. I mean, no one was wealthy. Everyone came in, you know, in the same immigrant story. And so it was just about making experiences. And I think for, you asked me when I first realized it. And I, I want to say, I want to give myself credit and think it was like early middle school. <laughs> early um, middle school. Cause, and I'll tell you why, is that I, I moved from New York to California um, at the end of my fifth grade. Uh, early, actually in the middle of sixth grade. I chose to move in the middle of sixth grade. My parents gave me the option. Do you want to move at the beginning of the school year or the middle of the school year? They like dad had a, had a choice with work. And I thought it would be cooler to be the kid that moved in the middle of a grade because <laughs> then you get introduced <laughs> as the new kid and like it's easier to make friends and make an impact rather than just show up. That was, it was all well-planned. Um, but yeah, we moved and we had a going away party in Albany in the upstate New York area with our whole community there. And we had a going away party in New Jersey, which is wild, right? Like we had a going away party with our whole community there and both were huge. I got a bunch of N64 games that traveled (laughs) with me over. Um, And so, yeah, I think I realized how close this was and 
um, how much effort had been taken. And that, that next piece came in, you know, later on in high school when we moved back and we chose to move from California to New Jersey. We, again, we had, dad had the choice whether to move to Charlotte or New York and we chose to move to New York and move to New Jersey. And it was just a no brainer. We were like, obviously we're going to go and, um, go close to the people we love and know, even though we didn't end up moving into the same town with anyone. Um, so yeah. And then it just, it continued, right? Like every year we'd always see each other, whether it be at holidays or, uh, if ever, ever was in a city that any of the family friends were in, it was always important to go see them. And then we also made trips, right? Like, I mean, uh, I think Michigan was maybe the only college I didn't make it to um, while Divya was there, which is surprising because I have such a long family lineage at Michigan. Um, my cousins were there when Tom Brady was there, and uh, that was a random thing that never happened. But yeah, anyhow, we're all very, very close, and it is very unique. Um, and for me, it was weird because, not weird, but particularly special because... I had this New Jersey family, and I, as I said, I had this Albany family. And in Albany, um, you know, not a giant epicenter of Indians, but um, there was a pretty good community there that was really strong. And it wasn't all from the same, like, area of India. Like, that, that's how we knew the New Jersey families. It was all everyone. Um, but that group had stayed equally close as well. And I didn't have as many people my age, but all of my older friends and siblings were part of that group. And my parents still make the trip now from New Jersey up to Albany once every three months. And they go and see a bunch of friends and they stay at like six houses. They have like somehow eight dinners in two days. It's wild. You moved a lot. It sounds like I didn't realize Just twice. you were like, just twice. Yeah. We, we moved across country to California and then back. Um, and honestly, I, I thought I loved it. I, it was great. I think it was great for me. It was great for my sister. Uh, it was great for us. We became a lot closer after we moved it's great to see different areas. Like I loved living in California. I hated going to school there. And then I loved going to school in New Jersey and living there was, you know, fine. Um, and so it was great to get all the different experiences. And in the end, I think New Jersey ended up being really great for us. So was your, was your whole school like all Indian people? Cause I think that's what in, um, was like. In so it, incre- it, it increased in percentage with each move, right? <laughs> and we were in a little town called Niskiuna in Albany. And I think me and Rashi were two of four. Indians okay. in, in the whole elementary school. And the other two were incredibly close to. Like, they're Rag and Rithi were very close to that family. Um, and so when I moved to, we moved to San Francisco, we lived in Fremont, which is another big Indian area. And okay. so maybe, like, I don't know, there's a lot more, noticeably more, like 10%. And I know the neighborhood we lived in on our street of 15 houses, I think, like, 11 were Desi. And mm-hmm. then... And then New Jersey was like 20%. Yeah, the school I went to was, was high. Not as high, I think, as, as Divya. Divya's was a town over. It was definitely higher, but yeah, pretty high. Yeah, because that always kind of blew my mind. Because I, I, for me, I grew up in a town, probably what sounds like Albany, where it was just me. And there was like maybe one other kid who was Indian. Yeah. And he was like, not, not about it. <laughs> so it was, you know, it was all on my myself and my parents and my sister to sort of develop this like appreciation for our culture because all around me was just, um, you know, white people. Uh, but you guys, especially with your dad and everything, right? You must have had a pretty big community that extended beyond your school and like, like uh, I don't know if there were like get-togethers or like do you guys yeah, play sports and stuff together? There were get-togethers, but I mean, it was mainly just other people his age and they didn't all have kids that were the same age. So mm-hmm. I did not, I definitely did not grow up with a group of kids. I mean, there's maybe three other kids my age and even in my family I have I only have one cousin who's my age the rest of them like my whole dad's side they're like my closest cousin on my dad's side is probably 45 um and I have uncles who are in their late 80s so um like nobody on my dad's side is my age my mom's side is just the one who's my damn good at music though that's right. <laughs> That's right. They do have a free time. For the for the listeners here, I think one thing that is surprising about this is that like your dad, Rohan's dad, is easily one of the most social pe- people I know and one of the nicest people, and like can immediately talk to anyone for a really long <laughs> period of time. And so I just imagine him having like a pretty large community. But yeah, it's a that's it's it's surprising, and as I think of it as a bummer that there aren't that many people your age. I don't know if you think of it that way. Or uh, you just didn't know, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, you know, maybe you realized how much you appreciated all that stuff in middle school. But in middle school, I was not 
thinking about that stuff. You know, yeah. I wasn't like, I didn't feel like I was missing out on something because I didn't, I just didn't know, you know, I just had what I had and I was, I was happy with that. And, and I never felt like I was missing out on my culture stuff too. Cause I think my parents and, and my sister who's four years older than me, they just did a really good job of sure. keeping me involved. And I mean, there were, we'd go to the temple, we'd go to our, like, you guys have your MMA, whatever. We, we had things like that, that we would go to and we'd watch movies and um, there was enough. And, and yeah. you know, we talked about music a little bit. Music was a big part of it too. Like I, I loved music and that was a big introduction into the culture for me. Cause it was, movies the the acting the singers the language all of that sort of got me much more interested into into everything and yeah um well i want to ask i don't want this to be like a full like our, our culture only talk but um so i think about this a lot now with both of us having kids and mm-hmm. like where we'll eventually settle down and what that town's going to look like what the community's yeah. going to be built around there and I know it's like nearly impossible to recreate what, what I had because a lot of what I had was on the basis of what our parents were willing to do. And what our parents were willing to do was a lot out of like necessity, right? Like they, yeah. this, th- I didn't say this earlier, but um, I, I, I thought for a while they did it for us and they very much did it for themselves. Yeah. And it was great that it happened to also be really great for us. Yeah. Um, like, you know, they needed that time with others to just relax, enjoy, and party. And they were drinking, they were gambling, they were doing all this fun stuff. And I think about it, I'm like, respect, it's awesome, right? <laughs> like, I don't do that with any of my friends right now. And we're, I'm the same age as they were when, you know, I was already having these memories. Um, and so as we now look to, we start thinking about like, you know, five years from now, where, where are we going to be and what's that going to look like? Um, yeah, it's, it becomes a really loaded question because it's how much are you willing to create and it's really hard to create. And so you might as well put yourself in an area that is easier because it's all around you, right? Your daycare is it, your school is it, your neighborhood is it. Um, but I mean, we've been in New York for a long time and that doesn't exist in New York, right? It's just, it's so tricky to figure that out. And it's, 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 I think about it almost every day. Because well, it's, it's not the culture piece only. It's obviously a lot of things. But yeah. that, that's a big component, right? Because you were always just safe there. You knew that everyone around you had generally the same values, that for the most part, people were going to be like good to one another and kids are going to be like learning more or less the right things uh, because you can't really control for that in school at all. So but this is one area you can sort of control for it. I mean, I think um, I'm going to loop us together the same generation i think our generation is uh (laughs) yes i would say so but thank you for that (laughs) i think i think we think a lot about stuff and i I think i wonder a lot about how much you know our parents generation really thought about stuff like do you really think that they and maybe they did do you think they were thinking about these things like what is our five-year plan what's our 10-year plan how do we get our kids into a good position where should we live like or do you think it was just like we need to just find a community of people of like-minded people and everything will work out from there? Like as long as I have my community, I know things will work out. Uh, I no, I think there was a plan. I, okay, maybe not in the formal way that we now talk about it, but at least in the decision to move to a high-tax, good school area early on and take a much smaller home and sacrifice a lot. Like mm-hmm. you know, that's a pretty. That's a pretty sizable move to make when you have very little. Um, so I, I, and most of the families I knew did that. Um, and so like, that's why they were all over. Everyone was pretty far apart because you need to balance that with, you know, distance to work. Um, and so I think that was the form of planning. Beyond that, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think that there was many, many steps taken, right? Like, I still don't think my parents know what, you know, I studied in college or what I did or any of those things. Like, yeah. none of those pieces were being laid out or hoped for. It was very much just like a, we know that this is one major thing that we can do and we're going to work as hard as we can to make sure that that happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, and also part of the reason why I think we think so much is because we, we sort of, ha- we have that luxury, I guess, of all the information and they didn't, you know, they didn't have that. They, a lot of them were the first people coming to this country to to establish themselves and, make something nice for their family. And we sort of have the somewhat of a framework of like, Hey, here's how lots of people, not only just our parents, here's how lots of successful people have done and happy people have done it. And 
with all this added information, sometimes it's stressful to be like, how can I recreate this? How do I make sure I don't mess this up? Versus like, well, I'm going to put myself in the best position possible and then hope it goes well. Um, yeah. I think I, I personally, I, all I can speak to is I think a lot when I'm thinking about thinking, which is frequently, I'm <laughs> like, do I need to be thinking about this? Like, I mean, I, you know, I'm pretty sure <laughs> well, things will just work out, right? I mean, so I don't think it will. <laughs> it doesn't uh, always. That's I, I don't think it, so. Here's my here's my proof in that is I think a lot, and you know, we meet a lot of young parents now through daycare, or whatever, mm-hmm. and the isolation is so real among so many people that don't have a community. Um, and in New York, you know, we have a ton of people from everywhere, and so a lot of internationals. And they're especially isolated because they don't have any family and it's been really hard for them to develop communities and friends, um, especially through the pandemic. But uh, I keep finding folks that are like shocked that we have any plans or that we have so many plans (laughs) or keep doing stuff. Um, And that's like really concerning. I know a lot of people are totally fine with that. I don't want to like knock that anyway. That is a perfectly great and happy way of living. It's just not how I know that we Mm -hmm. will be happy. And I know these are one of the few components that, we desperately need for our own form of like honestly sanity is just like being around people that we know and love and trust. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I, I, I think because all of us are so mobile now to a certain degree and you can go anywhere and people are going to go to wherever makes the most sense. There is no real for sureness that we're just going to end up with each other. I think a little bit of push and force and function is going to help a lot. And so here's ways that I'm thinking about actually actioning on that is, okay, I I know that it's unlikely that Brooklyn stays the hub that it is. And, you know, literally almost all of the family friend group is in just not even New York, just in Brooklyn right now, uh, along with a huge chunk of my closest friends on both Jewies and my side. Uh, I know that that's probably not going to last for more than three three more years, that's my guess. Um, but where is everyone going to go? Is everyone going to go to where their families are? Not really. You're not going to go, we're not going to go to Jacksonville. We're not going to go to central, like our area of New Jersey. So can we actually start creating somewhat of a hub in another area? Um, it's like a, it's an idea that I think everyone thought was like absolutely unrealistic three years ago. And now it's very realistic that if you were to find an area that's appealing enough that let's say, you know, Rashi has just got a job in Philly and is moving out there and would we want to follow and be in that area? And then <laughs> that's a good hub. We could start dragging a few people over or, or people might want to be that much more incentivized to move in that area if it worked. Um, I, I, I think you can make these happen. Now, I'm also known for pushing people too hard on a lot of things. <laughs> like this is, so this is one of those things that I try to keep a little bit under wraps and not not open conversations with. But it's it's one of those that I'm like, yo, let's go commune it up and figure it out. Like we can we can have the idyllic version of friends or modern family or whatever you want to have it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very possible. Like there's nothing stopping a good chunk of us from doing that now. Like so, why not? Like I don't, I don't know. I I can't pick a good reason other than maybe fear. Um, but like, why take the chance on the unknown versus the known? I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think we, we talked about this too, where, you know, after I'm done with fellowship, like, where are we going to go? And, um, we talked to a lot of our friends and sometimes it's joking. Sometimes it's like half joking. Sometimes it's serious, but it's like, can we all go somewhere? Like, can we, can we plan this out? Like it's, it's very actually doable. And, and it's, it's like a, you have to create that community somewhere, you know, and you don't have to just follow a job somewhere all the time like it, things have definitely changed where it's like I can create my life where I want and there's a lot of flexibility in in our lives um, to be able to create the life that we want and I think that's pretty awesome yeah it'd be great I agree go do it and yeah. the other part about it is like nothing's permanent anymore right like right five five to eight years somewhere is is a great period of your life mm-hmm. like why not um, you started talking about kind of your thought process has changed, not changed, but there's new things to think about with having a kid. And um, I totally hear you on that one. And one thing I like to ask a lot of my 
podcast guests and I'm looking for an answer is having to do with this whole idea of adversity in our parents. Um, and I don't, I don't know the specific story of your parents coming here, but the classic story is, you know, I came here with $2 in my pocket and now mm-hmm. I have all this stuff because I worked so hard. And I always think about how well um, me and my sister turned out, despite the fact that, you know, I, we grew up in a, like a wealthy area. We were, we were, I mean, for my existence, we were doing well, you know, prior to my existence with my sister and my parents by themselves here in America, like, yeah, they did not, they didn't have anything and they worked very hard, but I, I turned out really well, despite probably being able to get whatever I actually wanted. They didn't give me what I wanted always, but, but they could have if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. And I, I struggled to understand how can I create somebody who understands adversity without having to actually put them through that. Like, I feel like it's my responsibility as like a father to Arav. Like, how do I put him in situations where he learns the meaning of hard work and um, of money and like getting to where he wants without actually like making him, you know, quote unquote struggle. Not that I want him to get everything that he wants in his life, but like, you know, how do I enjoy the wealth that we have, but also put him through adversity? Like, how do you plan that out for somebody? Is that something you've ever thought about? Yeah, I think we, yeah, a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, I grew up in what I would call like lower middle class for the first, like for for most of our for most of our childhood. Um, you know, the same as immigrant story. My dad came over. He, followed his sister and then brought my mom after they got married. Mm-hmm. My mom just was like miserable here. Like she has the <laughs> closest family I've ever seen. You know, the, she has six sisters, one brother, and the seven of them have been to all the weddings and like they are just the closest group and five of the siblings are in India. So it's, and I've just never seen a family closer. So I can totally understand the, I can't understand, sorry, but I fully appreciate the hardship that they had and a lot of the way that they dealt with it was by really, especially my mom specifically, was just by pouring it into her kids, yeah. right? And just really um, giving everything she could in lieu of being able to give money, right? And so a lot of that was just like time, love, like care, and a piece of herself in a lot of ways. So, um, and... Like, I never really felt like I lost much because of that um, growing up, even though I didn't have a ton. Really, we got, I, I remember I got my first video game system, which was uh, the Super Nintendo, like six years after it came out. And a lot of my friends had already had it, but I was like playing with them, but I was still so, like, it, it didn't matter as much. Yeah. But it did start to matter more and more when, you know, kids got older and things started to become more apparent that we like lived in an apartment, and not in a house. And, you know, I started to go more and more and like people were rising and we were like, I, I don't know. I, I, I remember saying like shitty things to my parents. Um, where I'm getting to here is that I guess I never felt lacking, but it was like observing and understanding what was going around me that like, for some reason that should be what we have and we don't have it yet. I was happy. I was incredibly happy with what I had. And so when I think about this going forward, because we'll be in the position now to fortunately be able to give anything that we can um, and, you know, have some pretty comfortable digs and do all of whatever. Um, We don't spend lavishly on ourselves. We certainly don't expect to spend lavishly on our kids, but I think we're going to try and be, I don't want to say ruthless, but like pretty strict about the thing that we're going to give and try to make sure we give the most of is like time, love, and energy, not things, right? And you know, we don't really give things to each other in terms of me and Juhi. Um, generally, like we, we had our house appraised and all we, we got, when we did our insurance, we were like, well, we don't actually own many things that cost a lot of money. Um, and that's not trying to be like, to brag about our frugality. It's just like, I don't know, those things never really come to us when it comes to value. It's all about experiences, but even experiences, right? Like now we think about, okay, if we're going to go and take a flight to India, like, should we spring for the business class if we can get it on points and that's a decision that we know when we have kids like we're just not we're not going to do it like it's just one of those things that like, as comfortable as it is it's going to be really hard to pull that trigger because we know that like it immediately instills like 
this separateness that I don't think we we want. Um, we're both pretty sure we want to do public school and all those pieces as well. So, uh, yeah, I think I think it's going to be hard. Um, I've seen my I, I, the other thing that helps is I've seen a lot of my older cousins that have lots of kids now, and we're all very close to them. Do it pretty well, mm-hmm. and you know the next generation's been coming up really wonderfully. And, you know, we pepper them with a lot of questions and there's a lot of learnings around it. Like, you know, the biggest one that comes up is when, when did someone get the phone? Right. Yeah. And like, they're just done a good job with it. And I, I guess I understand. And I'm like, okay, we can figure this out and we can enforce the right, right rules and we can make sure they appreciate what they have. Uh, they can appreciate what it means to earn money early. Like my kids are definitely getting jobs as early as like, I had a job starting in like seventh grade, sixth grade as okay. a soccer referee. Um, definitely going to do it, right? Like, it yeah. feels good. Understand what it costs and, like, learn how money works. Um, it's like earning so, their own money, too. Like, learning how to spend it and, and manage yeah, it and stuff. Absolutely. Like, you, I, I'm never going to do an allowance. I never had an allowance. Never, don't think we're ever going to. No allowance. Yeah, I never yeah. had one. I, I don't think we would. Like, what would you need an allowance for? It's still, like, it confuses me. Yeah. It's like, I didn't have it either. Yeah. I, I, I never understood that. Um, but I guess it comes from the aspect of, like, okay, teach teach money management to some yeah. degree but it's like, okay earn your own money and figure it out <laughs> like, i think another i think just like an, maybe an insecurity that i have is like i think part of what i part of what made me appreciate where we came from was some amount of respect for what my parents had to go through and i'm like man is he gonna respect me like what did i what did i go through that he needs to respect me for like i you know i didn't dude, i didn't have heavy. to do all those things but how do I create a story? You know, how do I live my life every day so that when he asks me that question, like, what am I going to, what am I going to say where I feel good about it? And I, I mean, I mean, I have a I'm, lot to be proud of. It's not that it's just, yeah, I would say, respectable? I don't know. I mean, I would say for you it's pretty damn respectable, right? <laughs> like it's like you're in an incredibly respectable vision that you had to work over a decade to, to get to, to where you are. And so that itself is always going to be a mark that you can always point to and be like, what are you talking about kid? Like study for, <laughs> study for 25 more years and dog come talk to me. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I, I'm not as worried about like a measure of hardship. I certainly thought about it a lot with, with my parents and I didn't, I, I didn't fully appreciate that piece. I think, especially with my dad until much later. Um, but, uh, that's pretty heavy. You know, I, I've, I haven't thought, I haven't, I haven't thought about that yeah. as much. I mean, I, I do think about legacy more and more, right? Like yeah. um, we haven't talked about careers and stuff, but I've, I, I work in technology and I've been through a lot of different places in my life from entrepreneurship to leadership roles in big tech companies to like startups. And, you know, I'm at a point now where I could keep doing the same thing or I could try to figure out something that is more of a stamp, right? Something that I can look to and now I can show my kids and be like, this is what I built and it's actually truly meaningful and massive. Because mm-hmm. if I'm a builder and that's what my profession is, then I would love to show something that they can understand and make sense of. Um, otherwise, like, just, just keep doing things, right? Like, it doesn't have to be about that. Then I need to be able to show that I am the best dad in other capacities, which I hope to be regardless, but it'd be great to have both. And so yeah. that legacy component becomes more of a thing. And hopefully that's what becomes the thing that they look up to is that, okay, you know, if you work really hard and you figure it out and you like overcome adversity and also pursue your passions and yeah, make a few mistakes. And I am sure to, I, I, I do plan to tell them all the mistakes I've made and how those hopefully <laughs> formulated into a pretty great, you know, body of work. Um, that hopefully is the thing, but, uh, yeah, no, man, I'm, I do think about how the lack of challenge at some points, uh, hasn't like toughened us to yeah. a point to maybe feel like adults. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 I mean, like, just like we haven't had very much in the way of challenge other than a really, you bring up a really interesting point though, that, um, about like hobbies, I mean, career uh, as well, but like career and then as a side hobbies, uh, those things are also, I think, very respectable when you're 
you know, thinking about like a, a life resume, um, I think back in the day, it was sort of like, well, what sort of job, you know, did they have and how well did they do and how successful were they? But um, something that I think about a lot, like my dad right now is, he's been working as a doctor for, I don't know, 35, 40 years. And I respect that. And that's amazing. And that probably had a big influence on me picking my career path, but also that's not the only reason why I respect him. I and mean, he's been working for 40 years and he is traveling around the world doing cricket commentating, doing yeah. carom commentating. He plays in carom uh, tournaments. He writes in a newspaper. Like he's, he's really pursuing his passion and his passion happens to also be medicine, but he hasn't lost sight of like, what are the things that I'm really passionate about? And he's going after it. Like he's really participating yeah. in those things at, at his age. And I think that's a, that's a big deal too for the next generation to like look up to their parents and be like, well, sure. You know, he's a doctor, but also he loves music and he did, you know, ABC and that's really cool. And I really respect that. And I think that's really influential too, when it comes to showing your kids like who you are and, and, and what you, and I mean, uh, we, we idolize people that follow their passions, right. And are able yeah. to like, are able to become amazing. I think the entire growth of the influencer industry or the YouTuber industry and everything is about people following their passions. I think that's the piece that makes it so exciting. That's why kids dream about becoming that instead of an athlete now is it's not only the thing that evokes like the excitement of an athlete, it's someone that became that good at something, Mm -hmm. but it seems that much more achievable, right? It's like that person is actually much more like me and is doing something amazing with something that they love. And I love that thing. Um, Totally. I, I, I think about that a lot and I know one one rule I've talked to Julie about uh, was, um, I think after what do we decide after being first or second grade, uh, whenever the kids want to pursue something, you know, whether it be a sport or music or whatever, will obviously be very encouraging about all of this. But my rule is going to be like you have to try it for three years. Like, three years. You're not, you're not allowed to give up. That's a in, long time. Within within three years. Um, and it's going to be painful. It's going to be painful for us. It's going to be painful for a lot of things. Uh, this wasn't enforced on me in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, but I saw it go the other way for, you know, my sister and for others around me where I think, like, mm-hmm. they had skills. It just wasn't fostered. And it's it's not that they didn't have training or whatever. It's just that you just need to keep pushing through a little bit and see if it's something that you really love. And we saw this with Ashish, Drew's younger brother, is that he um, – He's a soccer player, but like absolutely hated it and kicked and screamed on his way to practice the first two years. And it ended up being like a state-ranked club player throughout high school and almost went for college, right? He's exceptional. It's a huge part of his like upbringing, grew a lot of discipline and all this stuff about it. He like defined himself in a lot of ways as an amazing mm-hmm. soccer player. Um, and so, yeah, this, this is just one of those things. I think it's like you, you, to, to find talent, it doesn't have to be excellent. Just to find talent doesn't just always happen. And to the fortunate few that do get that, that's amazing. But for everyone else, it like takes more time than it sound, ever ever seems. Uh, and I think you and I both love to do a lot of things outside of our, our, our day jobs. And, you know, I think both of us were fortunate to have a lot of that around us growing yeah. up, whether it be music or whatever. Um, but you still have to do it, right? You still have to actually do it. You still have to like have the guitar in your room. You have to be willing to pick it up regularly. You have to mm-hmm. do all these things. Um, and so, yeah, I hope that the kids look to us and are like, oh, look at all the things that, you know, Ronan Glenn can do. And look at the fact that they do it because they're not being asked to do it. They just like to do it. That, I think, is really admirable mm-hmm. and exciting. I don't want to lose that. The piece that I've found that's tougher and tougher for me is to is – to, um, focus enough to get in to, to dedicate enough to like advance in anything anymore. Yeah. Right. Well, like, so that's what the three years the, comes in. Yeah. Right. Like be there. you just gotta be there. And yeah, it, it, yeah that, that rule should continues to exist today. Right. It, yeah, it's, yeah, not yeah. Like, it's not like it's just about fostering your original skills. Right. Like, yeah, I was, it's, we, you're right. I mean, it's, it's not about the talent always. It's like, who is there on game day? You know, who is, who yeah, is there? Exactly. Who has been practicing? <laughs> it's like, yeah. As long as like I, 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 sh- I still want to be able to pick up the guitar and play like any of a hundred songs and not just come back to the same three. And you know, that takes time and takes effort. And so, uh, that's what I'm hoping to be able to do and show. And then ideally that, uh, elicits like a similar yeah. response from them 
and I never really have to force it, is that hopefully they just see it and yeah. want to follow some of it. You you do have a lot of hobbies. I mean, what I know music is a big one. What like what other hobbies do you? Music's like a, a big one. I do. I'm more, I'm more of a hobbyist, and I wish I was more. Um, I do like I like games quite a bit, and particularly strategy games. I'm very into this one game called Hearthstone. Um, <laughs> I like video and photography, and I just got a new set of lenses. We were talking about mics before. Yeah. I've really w- wanted. I keep filming a lot, and just never really edit it and finish it, which is part of the whole. What are you filming? Thing. Um, we, a lot of random things. Like last year, we filmed a pizza tour where we did a pizza tour and we filmed a lot of like excerpts about it and ratings around it. And I was where are these trying things? to create it. They're like, I think I have a terabyte of footage across two hard drives <laughs> that are over the last like 12 years. Because I've always, I, I, one thing I'm, when we finally have a house big enough, I want to, I have all of my cameras I've ever had. I just want that to be like a cool shelf in whatever office I have because it's it's dope. It's I've done a lot yeah. of work with it, um, and right now I'm 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 fun employed as they call it. So this is one thing I've been doing is just getting better at specifically portrait photography because that ends up being mm-hmm. a lot of what I end up doing right now because okay. of the babies and whatnot. And so just trying to get better at portrait photography, trying to get better at like the specifics and nuances of it all. Um, what else? Uh, I like crafts a lot and DIY projects. Um, and then I guess I ended up doing like one a year. Like this year was like Veda's Halloween costume, which was like, was stitched, <laughs> I saw that, yeah. stitched her Joker costume and did all these fun things. Um, what we, I made, made my vein, my, my vein mask. Uh, yeah, no, I like, I, I'm a, I'm a builder. I like making things and making things doesn't always have to be in software just wherever we can. Um, it's fun to be able to do it. I'm also a big show off and I like to get like accolades for what I do. And so it's easy to quickly show <laughs> things that I've done and, and hopefully get a, get a pat on the back or two. That definitely keeps me going. I've never seen this. I haven't seen all these terabytes of, of I know stuff. The, that that's one that's for that one that I, you know, that one I think is a little bit more for me. I used to put more videos out when I was in, you know, right out of college and, and around then. And I stopped and I just really enjoy the process of filming and Arpan, actually, one of our other family friends, took all of that pizza footage and edited it into a video. Oh, really? And he, and he showed us all last week. And it was dope. It was, it was such an awesome film he made. <laughs> and I was so happy because he, it was such an interesting process, right? Like, I filmed everything. And he went and watched it all. And we didn't talk much about what the narrative should be. Like, I had something in mind. And he watched it all and did something else. And then he edited it and made the cut. And it was just so cool to see it come to life in a way that was very different. And I think about it as how, I guess, maybe a director, cinematographer, and editor might be working together and figuring mm-hmm. out a narrative through what you have. Uh, it always comes back to having good media, right? If you have a good set of stock, then you should be able to create something good. Mm-hmm. But that that part is interesting, too. So uh, that got me thinking. I'm like, maybe I can just film a lot and then work with someone to like stitch it together into a story. And that could be easier. Yeah. I do like doing the editing. It's just, yeah, it's, I'm just lazy about that. So as somebody who has like all these hobbies and who's had many, I think many jobs and they're like, what is yeah. it like being unemployed? I mean, is this, this is new territory for you? Or? Well, not really now. Right. So for what, for the last four, last four years have been an insane journey. Um, I, what, in 2019, I left Oscar Health, where I was for the longest stint in my career. I think it was like three plus years. Um, and I was working as a product manager in technology and building you know, software products. Um, and then I moved to a company called Headway, which is a mental health company. And I was there for about two months and pretty <laughs> much parted, parted ways. And me and this, I was, I was you know, the CEO's right-hand man and just... Me and him got along, but didn't see eye to eye in how to build software. We were just very, there's different mindsets about how you do this work. And we were very much at odds. So we realized it pretty quickly and parted ways. And um, then I pretty quickly, within another month or two, joined as the first employee overall for a new startup called Calibrate, which is was probably the craziest journey because 
we launched that company at the beginning of COVID and I was, you know, one of five employees and we quickly grew it and raised a hundred million plus dollars. And it was just a wild, wild ride. Um, and that was when we were trying for our first child. It was the first year of COVID. I, I, I'm not one to really ever take life too seriously. And it's, it's an issue and a, and a strength of mine, but, um, that was an area when I really, you know, mentally just broke down and burnt out. And I think we all struggled. And, uh, that was one where I, I, I didn't realize it cause you're just working so hard, but how, how much it was affecting me, how much it was affecting my relationships, how much I was sacrificing to accomplish what I didn't even really care about that much, which was like succeeding in this business. Um, and so after we raised our couple rounds, I like, I was like, I got to step out and, and leave. And then the plan was, and so this was what, 2021 now. The, and if you're counting, that's three jobs in, in two, plus, two and a half years. <laughs> um, and I, at that point, was like, okay, I'm going to take a year and just do some consulting. Uh, I had a bunch of clients at that point, And that was one thing that was cool is I'm like, hey, it was very validating, right? Like I've grown enough expertise to do this. But uh, you asked me, like, have I been unemployed? Like all these stints have like, you know, four weeks, six weeks, of time when I got to be mm-hmm. a little bit free. Um, but then I joined Peloton and that was the biggest company I've ever worked for and got to do some really cool work there. And then was part of, if, if anyone's been reading the news, uh, they've had a few interesting ups and downs, mainly downs. And I was part of the last round of layoffs there in October. So now it's been two months and this is, yeah, this is my first true period, I would say of like longer than six weeks unemployment. Uh, one, very fortunate that I got a really great severance and that I do have that like body of work under me. So I'm not concerned about finances or where I'm going next. Okay. Um, but I am concerned about when I say I'm not concerned about where I'm next, I'm not concerned about getting like a good job. And that's, that's a very fortunate privilege to have. Um, but you know, the, the thing that comes up here is you know, what do I really want to do next? And the last three, four instances, like the Peloton instance, particularly, I was so happy there. It was a really exciting time to be at that company, even though it was going crazy, because I was pretty much the only person with any healthcare experience. And we haven't <laughs> talked about this, but I had, I have, I've been building a lot of tools in healthcare and was really trying to do something pretty nuanced in this industry through health and fitness. And it's just unfortunate that we weren't able to see it through because of what the company was going through. Um, and when we talked about legacy, right, like that felt like it could have been a five-year body of work yeah. that I would have been able to really stamp and, and build, like, I don't even know what the long-term career would have been from there, but I would have been really, really proud mm-hmm. of that product if I had gotten it out the door and gotten it into a few hospitals. But um, the, so where do you go from there, right? Like I was going to build like the Apple health version under Peloton and, or do I want to do something at that big of a company again? But I hated the politics of it all. I hated like being at the behest of like a public market or a board of directors that are part of your small investor community. Um, You know, your roadmap is what we call like, you know, the next, what you build over the next six to 12 months or three years or whatever you have, isn't really your own in many ways, right? Like you, you do have to, you have, you have a say in what you generally, what levers you get to pull, but overall the direction is set by, you know, people that control the financial interests. And yeah, that, ha- that directly re- translates to you not being able to build something truly long-term um, if the company needs to produce finances today. Uh, and I'm not at all arguing with that model, but that's just how it works. So in healthcare, if I really want to build something that has legs to it, like something, and that, that takes years, right? Like nothing is built in six months that has meaningful enough value. It takes years and years, just like a drug takes. Um, uh, so where can I do that? So anyhow, that's, that's what I'm thinking about now. If I want to keep building, I think for now, I don't want to switch careers. I'm really happy with the subject matter expertise I've gained, um, the credibility I've gained, and what I and what the opportunity I see is in our industry overall um, is that there's still a lot that technology can do to make it better. But I also see a lot of the ways it's being employed as, as or deployed as, as bad, right? It's like 
using technology to replace care rather than augment it or using technology to like reduce administration burden in one area but it increases it in another I mean, a lot of the a lot of the pieces of the equation are still not making sense and so um yeah it's a it's a weird time right now because i am not stressed about work in the not being employed sense but i'm stressed about not finding the right next step yeah. um, because I actually have the time to do it. Um, and the other thing is we talked about passions and all these hobbies and stuff, right? I'd love to fucking make one of them a thing. But then yeah. the, startup, the startup cost and capital to do that versus doing something I do like. I do like the work I do. Like why would I replace the train I have running right now at this time when I – I haven't gotten yet to a destination that I can be really proud of. And I think that's, that's, that's what I, uh, I've, I've gotten less concerned about that piece. Um, what's the actionable item there then? What do you mean? Like creating, using your passions to somehow, or something, I guess something more serious with your passions. Um, so I one is to do them more often, but, but exactly like how you're doing this right now, right? Like, just how you're doing a podcast and you're actually putting it out there and deciding to publish it. Right. That's a big step to take, take what is an interesting activity. And I, I would like to do something similar and the videos is a good example. Yeah. Photography is a really easy, good start, really. Like, if I can level it up, and really start to produce and maybe buy myself a new lens once a year and uh, show that I can really evolve and do different things with that. That would be really dope. Um, that's probably my, that, I mean, that's what I am doing right now as I'm taking online classes and getting better oh, right. at that. So that's my actionable step on this. Um, and I've, I've also tried to make a better point to not do too many things at once because mm -hmm then I tend to like start a bunch and not really move forward on anything. Yeah. So this is the one that I'm really like, I have all my lenses out right here. I'm like cleaning them. I'm trying to get better at this, but um, you know, it's a start. Yeah. Um, we've been talking a long time, but there is something else that I want to talk about. Um, yeah, if you're okay with it, you know, I, I have a very close friend who um, was, went through IVF for uh, you know a long time and, She's a, a woman, female, and she decided to use that struggle to educate, you know, people and share with her, share her experiences about like what it was like and, and how it made her feel and all this stuff. And, um, but her husband, another friend of mine was not, not very vocal about any part of it. And I, I got a lot of information about what it was like, you know, I, even as a doctor, I don't, mm -hmm. I did not know much of anything about, you know, let alone the medicine of it, but the actual effects of what somebody goes through. And all I have right now is pretty much the lens of uh, a woman, but I can imagine that there's a lot that goes through, you know, uh, the husband or partner's mind as well, going through all this. And I was wondering sort of what things you'd be willing to share about your experience with it all. Um. I'm a very open book about this, a little too open, I think, at times. Uh, one, right off the bat, I do think men should talk about all this a lot more. Mm -hmm. I made it a point to talk to a few of my, a couple of my older friends that have kids pretty regularly through the process, even before, like when we were trying and struggling, like to talk to talk to other guys, because. Um, I've yet to find someone that doesn't have issues around this in some way, right? Whether it be actually conceiving or just effects on your sex life, like something. Everyone has something that's related to this that men particularly don't talk about. Yeah. Um, so many of my friends have had miscarriages that, you know, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have known if I hadn't had talked about this. And that's like, it, it doesn't make any sense. It's not, not something that should be a taboo. So, I would hope that we talk about it more and um, it's also not, it's not something I see, sought out. So part of me was like, Oh, we should start a community or do something around this. Like a, like 
but I didn't even go look for a Reddit channel on this. I'm sure there's 15, right, that are about, you know, men going through this. So I don't know if I'm the right person to go and try to start that. But yes, I think it's really important to talk to them. And if, if you happen to have another guy that's gone through something, like, give him a call. And if not, just give, give another guy a call if you're a guy. It helps. I think that's really helpful. Um, for us, it was it was really tough. Yeah, it was the hardest part of it all, right? I mean, going through, we we tried for a couple of years. I mean, we 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 bought our apartment in what two thousand and eighteen nineteen, with the expectation that we were going to fill it with a kid with you. That was the only reason we bought a place, and so. Uh, it didn't, we, that came in 2022. So, you know, do the math there. Um, and so not as long as a lot of people to struggle. And so that's why I kind of feel bad sometimes saying like we really struggled when, you know, we run into couples that have tried for years and years and have had multiple failed IVF, but, um, it still sucks, right? It's still really hard, especially when you don't know. Um, so that was, that was tough. And then when we got into the IVF process, First off, it's really long. I mean, the, the things that people don't know is that you don't just get to go straight into the what we know as IVF. You have to do a lot of other steps beforehand mm-hmm. uh, for insurance to allow covering IVF. They have to do something called IUI, which is sort of like a facilitated like semen insertion. Um, and you have to do all these other things to prove that you know you guys can't get pregnant. And part about that that sucks is like it's just like beating you over the head with the fact that you can't get pregnant. Yeah, right. And you just keep, yeah. keep doing different Tons things. Of like, yeah, like I have, I have uh, had to, like, I don't know what the correct way of saying this is, but jizz in a cup in many different places. Yeah. And uh, after a certain point, um, it stopped being like hard and started just becoming clinical. Mm-hmm. And at least for me, it became very clinical. It's like, okay, here's the next step. Here's what we're doing. Here's what our doctors are telling us. Like, yeah. if we follow these, we have the best shot. Let's play the odds and let's go, right? Like, none of it was gambling. None of it was organic or anything. It was purely as it's, it's clinical as it gets, um, which I liked when we were going through it. Right? I liked having that direction. I liked knowing. And it was still obviously wonderful when we heard the good news. And we did happen to get it on our first... IVF try, which is amazing, but um, it has a long-term like impact on how this part of your life works, and so like conception, sex, everything around it. Like it, it's it, it takes a while to to shake that off when yeah you, for for six months plus nine months plus, which is like our total IVF process. I think was around that long. Um, that's like that's all you're thinking about and doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, I, the, the surprising part about it, I think was certainly the, the amount of steps and time. There's very little that the man has to do, obviously. Like we just have to still provide semen and make sure it's in as good shape as it can be. So, you know, I was trying to do everything I could do, which was sleep better, drink more water, to take better care of myself. And then, hope that it has an impact, um, but it's all on, all on the woman. Um, and so then, you know, the best you can do is support and try to be there and try to make sure you do as much as you can. Um, and it's tough. Yeah. I don't think I would, we likely will have to do it again for other babies because mm-hmm. you know, our status quo hasn't changed. <laughs> like it still, <laughs> still requires that I think for the most yeah. part. Um, it's a lot less scary. Not that it was scary, but it's a lot less um, overwhelming now to know what it takes. Yeah. But uh, it's still one of those that I think leaves such an impact on you and is so arduous. The mm-hmm. good part about it, I would say, is once we did get pregnant, because we had been through all that, the actual pregnancy um, and preparing for baby and all, like none of it was stressful. It <laughs> like, <laughs> just so excited. <laughs> We were just excited. We like, we we did not plan very much at all until a couple three weeks, three four weeks beforehand, before before the due date, 
we were just excited and we enjoyed as much of the pregnancy as we could. And yeah. I think that was, that was really great. Um, the fact that it was obviously very fortunate and I don't want to take this away at all. It was very fortunate that we did have a very easy pregnancy. So that's amazing. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, that, I would say that was the positive out of it all. Yeah. And it's I also mean, science is amazing. Let's yeah. just, let's just give it up for science and medicine. Like the, I, I, w- I certainly went in, with the understanding that I went in with the conception of IVF as to what I think it was in the nineties, I guess. And I think that's what most people think of it as like really high chances of twins. I mean, you know, there's complications that come with it and whatever. None of that's true anymore. The method that they use today is so incredible and amazing. Um, And so all of the certainty around IVF in terms of the process around it is pretty amazing. And it makes it that much more shocking how little we know about how the rest of a pregnancy works and how like we don't know very much about anything in yeah. terms of like ensuring consent. Like that piece is really good. It was even clear like when we moved from the IVF hospital or to the regular OB, it's like you went from, you know, a space age like <laughs> clinic <laughs> to like, yeah. nothingness. Uh, yeah, it was, it was wild. It was an interesting experience. Grew a lot of appreciation. Uh, how old is she now? Bailey's uh, going to be 11 months. 11 months. Yeah. So that's, I mean, every month is so different, but so she's almost one. You guys almost are, one. Is there a the, okay, we're going to do a little birthday. Um, we have this brewery in Brooklyn um, called Grimm that I've, we've held a few birthdays at. I think my birthday a couple times. And, that, and so they are opening a pizza spot above the brewery. Um, and so we wanted to book that out and and do a do a party nice. there, uh, and you know if this happens to be her only birthday in Brooklyn, like we certainly want to do a very New York thing, um, and so yeah, try to do that's it cool. Be fun. It's not going to be like the typical like animal themed birthday party. It will be the animal. I'm uh, so. <laughs> I mean, okay. Okay. So uh, I mean, the theme wise is going to be like beer and pizza in Brooklyn, um, okay. but. My mom has a bunch of decorations from a first birthday party that we weren't able to do for Kira, my my sister's daughter. I thought you were um, say your first birthday party. Yeah. <laughs> she has like all of these like, you know, she has like a six foot giraffe and all this <laughs> stuff that she bought. Yeah. And she was like, would you mind like using this? I'm like, if we have space and whatever we're doing, like throw them in there. Why not? Like, like no issue in yeah. giving it a little bit of a little bit of that theme but um i mean she doesn't love those animals though she's kind of scared of them so we'll see um <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the subject of things that i i think people should talk about more um something that i think i underestimated with having a kid besides the other 1 million things is <laughs> the your relationship with your your partner you know Divya and i you start everybody's story is different but you know we started as dance partners and we got to know each other really well over the course of many years in a very controlled environment in college and we were um lived in the same area for you know some time and then we moved in together and then we got married and and then you have a kid and it's like everything is all of a sudden different and even when you're spending time together it's centered around someone else and I think it becomes difficult to maintain that same friendship relationship that you had before because when you're together, you're not talking about necessarily how was your day and what did this friend say? And do you want to go hang out at this, you know, restaurant or go for a walk? It's everything is surrounding this kid now who requires all your attention. And, and you, it's easy to sort of lose sight of what you guys have or had. And I can see why lots of people struggle with that, you know, as a, in their relationship and not that we are, but it's just something that I think, I had to think about a lot more actively. Um, is that something yeah, all that the time. you, I mean, is that like a conscious effort that you, you feel like you've had to make? Like, hey, let's make sure that we spend time together, us, uh, things like that. Yeah, um, it's a big deal. And it's one that I've, I was just out to dinner with um, my five college roommates, actually. We all got dinner and four of us have kids and this came up and everyone has the same story. Yeah. Everyone except one. Um, and 
I don't know. They're the youngest, so maybe I don't. I don't know. But um, <laughs> we, it's, uh, and I think that I, I think it's two, it's two things. One is yeah, it's it, life changes dramatically, and your all your time is dedicated to the baby, and when whatever time you have beyond that, you're tired. Yeah, and you don't really want to do fun things just together. You want to just sit and watch TV or whatever, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, we are very fortunate, and sorry. And the other thing is uh, the like lingering impacts of COVID, right? Like what it's done to us being less social, or at least on a day to day basis. You know, neither of us are going to the office. You just don't see very many people. There's just not as much to talk about, and. Um, like if there is an opportunity to go do something, you're going to think twice. Uh, I generally think we've been less conservative about COVID things, but still it has that impact, right? It still has that feel. So I think these two things have led it to be harder to rekindle a relationship. And then, you know, for us, it was an extended period of time that we were trying as well. It's been a long time since we've had like true normalcy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's really tough and we haven't really figured it out. Uh, we haven't done a date since Veda was born, we did one night in Philly. We extended a wedding that we were going to there, and that was amazing. It's still one of the best nights. It's, I felt bad saying this. We were like, do we like to do these like reflect sessions? And I was like, oh, what's like one of our favorite weekends or days since Veda was born? I'm like, shit, like I hate saying this, but that weekend was one of my favorite weekends. <laughs> um, because every other day, it really is amazing with Veda. I freaking love being a dad, and it's so fun to just see her, and we just sit there and just watch her regularly. But um, that weekend was so fun because it was just, you know, I think we fully leaned in, got a little drunk. We had a good time. Um, and so, uh, and I, I would blame me more for this because I'm always like the pusher and planner for stuff. Um, or at least like the one that says like, let's go do it. And then Juhi like gets it done. We, that's the team we have. Uh, and I've done a really bad job about it. I haven't like been like, okay, let's go do this. Let's force this. Let's go find the babysitter. And I haven't really been doing that as much. So um, definitely a thing that we hope to improve upon. Uh, and you know what the thing that's really bad about this is that we have a lot of help. Right? Yeah. Like, you know, my We're parents, very lucky. <laughs> yeah. Like my parents, my sister, everyone. I have one of my best friends from college is one building over. And we've like, we've called her my Veda's aunt because she's over all the time like they're willing to babysit anytime so there's no excuse for us to not go like grab a fucking dinner um other than we just aren't doing it so we're going out on Friday for our five-year anniversary we booked like a really fancy dinner um and I literally booked it today it's it's a fancy New York thing it's like in a location that will be disclosed on the day of the reservation one of those (laughs) one of those bougie things but uh, it'll be fun. Uh, I'm excited. Mom's coming up, and we'll we'll take care of the babies. So that'll be yeah. that'll be great. I think a lot of people want to cr- recreate what they had, you know, before you have a kid. But I think it's more so about just adapting and finding something new. You know, you have to yeah. create something new. It's not it's not like, man, I miss how, those days. It's like, how, how have we- you done? Uh, sorry, how have you done individual stuff? Right? Like, I think that's one thing that we've we've been better at is taking time for ourselves is like, you know, I went, I told you I went out with my buddies the other night and we were mm-hmm. out to like three. Judy's gone out with like the girls a few times. Um, like we've done that, I think better than doing things together. How, how have you guys done? Well, so we, we only know two people here in Milwaukee, first of all. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we have tons of options of like, why don't you go hang out with your friends and I'll go hang out with my friends. But it's been more so of just a conversation of like, Hey, like, what are some things that you want to do this week? Like, who do you want to simple things? Like, who do you want to talk to on the phone? Or like, I have a lot more hobbies than she does. So like, you know, making this podcast or recording some song or, you know, whatever it is that I like to do that I don't get to do during the daytime. She'll be like, she was very good about this. So just be like, Hey, like, I want you to go and just do that or, you know, go meet your co-fellows or whatever. Uh, whatever night you want to do, like, that's okay. Like I can take care of things at home and yeah, I'm maybe not as good at pushing her to do those same things, but um, that's kind of how we've been doing it is like when something comes up, it's like pushing the other person to like, Hey, like, why don't you do that? Or if she's on the phone with somebody at night yeah. when, you know, after our goes to sleep, I'm not like trying not to bother her to be like, Hey, like hang out with me. It's like, okay, I know she needs, 
that time to FaceTime, you know, her family friend or her cousin or whatever it is, um, just giving space. And it's a little bit different because I'm not at home. So we don't spend a lot of time together, you know, during the week I'm gone and she's always home. So it's a little bit more difficult to understand what her life is like, because I've never had that, you know, stay at home or work from home concept. And um, yeah, when are you going to do the Divya episode? In the podcast, I have asked her so many times, and she refuses. <laughs> she refuses to, join. to do it. Yeah, until I publicly called her out. I was like, "No, I'll do it." So just why don't you get some episodes under your belt, and then I'll <laughs> see how it is. She's waiting for you to get good at it. Yeah, so now <laughs> I, I got like all this fancy can... <laughs> equipment now to impress her. But uh, anyway, yeah, good it's a constant work in progress. I, I like to think totally. of my whole life as a as a work in progress, even you know the ups and downs of of habits and things like that, that I'm always interested in, in creating and in, in our relationship. It's, I feel like it's important to remind myself that I'm never giving up. I don't always succeed at things, but as long as I'm never giving up, uh, I think it's, it's, it's moving forward. So um, it's See, for fun. me, I think I want to do better at giving up on a couple things and going deeper in others. Rather than spreading myself thinner across five or six things, um, yeah, I think that's that's a that's hopefully a commitment I have. Right, like I know I have a lot of uh, focus issues, and so it's so easy to get distracted into so many things because I can just so quickly get into them. Yeah, but, um, yeah, we, I think we have the same the same yeah. problem there. But yeah. that, I think that's where very specific goals come in mind. Like, I think I used to make goals like, I want to play the guitar more. Like, man, I just don't play enough. I want to make one of my goals to play the guitar more. Or I love singing and everything. Now it's like, I want to record one song within the next three months. That is my goal. Or, you know, release one podcast every X number of months. Like, it's just something much more specific where it's like, I know I failed at this or I didn't fail at this. It's very measurable. It's not like, do more totally. creative stuff, which is <laughs> two more to creative do. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Sweet, man. Yeah. This is great. I really anyway, enjoyed yeah. chatting with you. Yeah. Thank I'm you. Excited to see you in a, in a few. That's right. We are going to yeah, see you. We're, we're going to see each other and we're going to actually have a lot of time to hang. Yeah. And you'll show me your pizza video. I will show you the pizza. Actually, I can send you that <laughs> soon because it's so, it's actually really good. Arpin did a great job. He, I'm sure it is. This, this dope uh, documentary style to it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'll send that over right after this. Okay. All right. Well, all right. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Ron, this was great. That was great. See you out of the family for me. Um, and I'll see you soon. Okay. All right. Take all care. Right. Love you, buddy. Bye.